Hello, kapla, and welcome everyone to our fan cast. We're a Star Wars boy, a Star Trek girl, and a sci-fi wingnut talk about the new Star Trek series, Strange New Worlds. We are super excited to geek out, talk about the new show, so let's bring in the intro music and get going. Welcome, guys, to another episode of Strange New Worlds. We actually had two this week uh, because of the abbreviated schedule. They released this old scientists or those old scientists episode seven of season two on July 22nd, and then not even five days later on the regularly released schedule of July 27th, uh, they released episode eight under the cloak of war. And uh, Such a good episode. it is a good episode. Oh, my gosh, is it good? Uh, which is kind of bittersweet for me because it means we only have two episodes of the season left. And one of them is the damn musical episode. One of them has to be right. And I'm guessing they're not going to end season two cliffhanger on a musical episode. No, so, no, next 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 week is the musical episode. Yeah, I'm guessing next week is the musical episode, or as this is released um, four days from now. So we have that to look forward to, and you have that the 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 uh, I'm gonna go with less than enthusiastic commentary ahead from Shannon, who <laughs> is. Um, Highly skeptical of the uh, uh, musical episodes uh, in I may have to general. Agree with her on that. I may have to uh, agree with her on that one. You know, I I think the weak one for me this this season was at Astra per Aspra. That one was the one I was just like, eh. you know, because I. I uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow was great. Charades was great. Lost in Translation. Those old scientists. Only the Cloak of War. Like all of them, all five of those were very, very strong. In uh, in this and last episodes are, are are what I want more episodes of. Mhm. Mhm. I think um, they have right in the middle here, starting with charades through under the cloak of war so charades lost it so episode five six seven and eight were really strong i liked episode three the time travel one with kirk i really really did however i didn't didn't dislike the episode i still hadn't gotten kirk from that actor yet Mm -hmm. i mean i'm finally starting to he's finally starting to kind of like hit those kirk notes yeah, with but, Lost in Translation, you got a little more, a little bit more Kirky action out of him uh, when he was dealing with Uhura. So I, I get that, uh, but but those five episodes, three, five, six, seven, and eight, were stellar. Not and, a fan and, of two. And the worst part about it is, is I think I figured out what made him very, very, very unkirk for me in the time travel episode. The fact that he wasn't surprised that he got shot. <laughs> you know, Kirk would have been Kirk would have actually been sitting there thinking that he can talk his way out of this or, you know, out of the no win situation. And the simple fact that he'd gotten shot, if he had looked up at, at, at Lon and went, I can't believe she shot me and then died, I would have bought it. 
Yeah, but that's that's Captain Kirk. He doesn't have that cockiness yet. He's not Captain Kirk yet. He's he's what Lieutenant Commander, Commander Kirk, something like that. He's, uh, he's but just but not still, there. But he's still he's Kirk. He Kirk has that you know consummate believing in himself. Yeah, we see a lot more of that in Lost in Translation, where he's running around somebody else's ship, going, "I'm going to solve this problem." You know, like that's exactly that's very Kirk. You know, uh, but I still I really enjoyed the the episode. Um, the The one that was light for me. I don't like courtroom dramas. I like musicals better than courtroom dramas, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I two was a little rough for me. Four and one, uh, Broken Circle, and Among the Lotus Cedars. Those were okay. I mean, they were they were decent episodes. I didn't mind them, but they were definitely a step above uh, at Ast- Astra per Aspera, the the one about Una. I was just like, ugh, courtroom. I don't want to well, do this. Well, this one kind of poked into one of the things I one of the storylines I've always really enjoyed from Star Trek. Um, every other, whether you know, other every other organization that isn't the Federation. The Klingons, the Romulans, the Ferengi, they all they're all very, very homogeneous societies. So I really like the ones about characters who are outliers from that society. You know, when when you when you see the Ferengi, who's really not who, who like Nog, the Ferengi, who's really not that interested in money. He really wants to be a, a Starfleet person. Mm-hmm. Um, when you've got, you know, e- even the ones where you've got Worf trying to interact with other Klingons. Um, the uh, When you've got the altruistic Romulan, you know, that the, those are the types of, of, of things that I've always enjoyed. So what now that you've got a um, a Klingon who's trying to go pacifist, um in fighting against even his own nature and the things that he's done uh, to the point where it leads to his own death. The fact that he, he, he wants so desperately for people to believe that he's become a nonviolent person that it leads him to violence. I, I also think that it displays what you see very little of in the Federation, especially later on, which is, like these people are people. They didn't just magically remove all the emotions that well, happen to to these people, like like PTSD. I was gonna, and that's what I was about to say. You don't see PTSD on this nature. You have seen PTSD in the in uh, Star Trek before. Yeah, not to this level. Uh, I I have to say, uh, before we go too much further. That when we were first in, introduced to Mbenga, I was not impressed. I was like, oh, man, we got a weenie doctor. I bet you he's he's just all pacifist, and he's like, I don't know why anybody would ever hurt anybody and all that. And and I was just like, ugh. He's just he's going to be boring, and he was always worried about his kid. And, and I get the worried about the kid thing. And trust me, I have kids. It's, it's a thing, and I, I understand that. But... Uh, I just, I, I looked at him and I was like, Ugh. and the more we roll on, the cooler and cooler and cooler he became. Well, well you, you know, the most analogous character to any other sci-fi character that he is at this point. He's Shepard Book. No, yeah. Shepard Book. 
Oh, well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, which is the person who has the violent past, but is trying, once again, desperately to make up for that. He's simply what he what he's done that uh, the Klingon ambassador hadn't done is accepted who he is. Yeah, he's like, I am. I, I, I'm a violent person. I, I, I may not like that part of myself, but that is there. I have to accept the fact that it's there. Yeah, that's part of who I am. Um, you know, I was talking with Shannon. Oh, by the way, Shannon's not here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as we're now 10 minutes in. Uh, Shannon's not here. <laughs> Sean just turned off her mic tonight this time. <laughs> she's been talking the whole time. She's not here. No, uh, she's she's uh, she had to take our little one out to, to do some stuff. So she is uh, she had just gotten back as we had kind of started this podcast and she's doing other stuff today. So. Um, we are, Jake and I are by ourselves today, but, uh, anyway, I was talking with Shannon about it and she's like, you know, uh, I think the part about Mbenga that you really don't expect is because he is so gentle now or tries to be so gentle. Now you don't realize that this man can kill you easily. He not only knows how he's done it before. Even then, you know, even before, you know, the the butcher of Jagal, when he's on Jagal, the uh, Andorian uh, commander is basically telling him, look, we know that you have the most hand to hand kills of anyone in the war. Yeah, you need to help us. And he's like, I don't do that anymore. And and that's the part that I think folks don't realize, like if you've ever met one of these people who they choose not to be involved in that because they know they're good at it and they know they they can and they know that once they go down that slope again you know it's sort of like John Wick once you get back in you're back in and it's very difficult to get out uh, plus he's dealing with massive PTSD and if you've ever dealt with somebody or or seen somebody in real life who has PTSD. Uh, you know, I have friends who were in Iraq and, and uh, uh, Afghanistan and, and stuff like that. And there were some bad things over there and uh, Gulf War. I mean, uh, like I, I, I know people, you know, my father was in Vietnam. Uh, give you a good example. My grandfather was in World War II, Battle of the Bulge. Okay. Now, at the time I was, he's passed now, but uh, many years ago, but at the time I was asking him about it, because he didn't really talk about it much. At the time I asked him about it, it was 50 years on from when he was in that battle, right? It was, it was 50 years ago when I asked him. He could still tell me what the air smelled like, what the snow under his boots felt like what how cold he was where he you know like what the trees looked like you know the sound that german tanks made um like it it was it was crazy because he he remembered every bit of it and what occurred to me later on is he was reliving it right he could tell you because he was there he just his mind re-rolled it for him all the time and, and he remembered, you know, he remembered what the taste of 
gunpowder in the air tasted like because there was so much of it because from the gun smoke. Um, that's that's something normal people don't have to deal with. And and here's Mbenga, who uh, and they mention it several times in this episode. The war doesn't it ends, but it doesn't leave you. It's always there, always. It- and I think this is the first time, and I think Pike realizes it at the end, but this is the first time that Pike has asked too much of his crew. Yeah, well, even Una's is like, we got to get him off this ship, like, now. They are not ready for this. This was unfair. You're asking them, because Pike doesn't share that, and Pike's built a little bit differently than any than other people, too, right? Part of the things that make him a great captain is he believes in redemption, and he believes in second chances, and he, he thinks he can do that for everyone, and it makes him a great captain. But what he's not considering, and, and Una tries to tell him, right? I think you're absolutely correct. Una tries to tell him, like, we got to fix this because there's going to be an issue soon. And and he's like, ah, that's like, look, we're all about forgiveness. It's the Federation. We're all about this, and we got to work together. And this is going to be a thing. And and Una's trying to tell him, like, yeah, I get that, but you have people on this ship who aren't there yet, and it's not fair to them to to push them like this. And even Erica, who is the most happy-go-lucky of the crew. She's a war hero. You don't really realize yeah. that. You know, she was in the war. She was a damn fine pilot and decorated as if such. I, if, if I had to guess her main thing that she was doing, because I think we're, and I think we're going to see it when, which I'm guessing is probably going to be the final episode where they do that thing where he's like, are you going to turn the engines on? She's like, not done this before. <laughs> um, I, I'm guessing that she's the type that flew the shuttle down when they couldn't transport people out. Yeah, she was the equivalent. If you think about a World War II or a, a Vietnam uh, thing, she was like a Huey pilot. She was she was transporting ground infantry through Atmo to boots on the ground and skimming, doing tree tops and or tree tops and stuff like that. Like she was in the thick of it, right? And and she's that good. So much so, she came through alive. And I, I think you're going to see it. And, and this is the part that, like, they don't do a lot of in Trek, right? Like, some of these people are heavily damaged. When you look at, when you look at Chapel, for instance, like, when you see her, she deals with it very, very differently than Mbanga, right? But all three of them, Mbanga, Chapel, and Erica... They're all it's right there under the surface and they can all look at each other and they understand they're all dealing with it in different ways. But they all understand all like the, there was a well, bunch they, of meaningful glances between Mbanka and Chapel like you doing. All right. You all right. Well, they, they all had different things that they experienced that that really caught them with Erica. It was obviously her friends died. Yeah. Yeah. When it was Mbanka, it was the callous um aggression and violence coming from the other side that they were willing to kill anybody even their Children. own side yeah um for uh chapel it was the level of 
uh, I, I want to say gallows humor, but it's not really the, the term I'm looking for. The, the in, in, no, so also is indifference, but just the casual nature that everyone was dealing with death at that point. Right. There was, she he, couldn't you know, reconcile the suffering with the attitude. Exactly. The, the idea of, oh, this person's going to die, uh, therefore let's just, you know, make him comfortable and put him aside. Right. Um, she couldn't deal with that. And even to the point where at the end, when they realized they still had the guy trapped in the, in the pattern buffer, it was in Bango who just walked over and hit the button on him because like, she look, couldn't do it. Yeah. And then they show you, they do show you like right after that. It's like, okay, the one guy saves five guys. Right. And for Mbanga, he's like, look, we have to, it's our job to make that choice. And in a perfect world, you're right. We wouldn't have to. Right. It's it's that situation where Kurt, it's it's again a failing that that some people have like uh, 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 Pike's one of Pike's blind spots is he doesn't understand that people just can't give other people another well, chance. He's always willing to well, do that with Kirk. He didn't Pike, believe in no win such scenario scenario. Pike Pike sees the best in everyone. He, he which is why I believe spot, everybody can be redeemed. But he also has that blind spot of sometimes there's something else there. Right. And and Kirk, which makes him blind to what's going on in his crew. Kirk didn't believe in no-win scenarios. He didn't believe in them. Right? Uh, Ibanga and Chapel were faced with a no-win scenario. There was no – somebody was going to get hurt no matter what button they pressed. So, so at the end, they do leave you with a little bit of a, a, a question because you only see the what the final act through the shade. So, do you think that Mbanga flat out murdered him, or do you think that in the process of the uh, the Klingon fighting for his own reputation, fighting for his ability for peace, accidentally gets killed in the process? Yes. I, I a little think, bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both. I think, look, both of them could have de-escalated that situation. And in Banga, though his words were de-escalating, his actions were not. He showed him the knife. He told him who he was. He told him what happened. He basically threatened him with, I'm going to expose you. Now, when you back a traitor, which is basically what the Klingons would view stolen valor to be, right? They would now the Klingons de- deplored and detested what the general did. Or ambassador was he an ambassador by that time? Uh, no, I think he was yeah. an ambassador. Yeah, well, he was he was an ambassador. Now he was a general at the time. He was he general then, it. right? What what the the now ambassador had done? They deplored that. They respected the fact that he he battled well, them together the, right the simple fact that he wasn't the one that killed the other generals would discredit him on both sides right so it would so discredit they would, him on the yeah. klingon side because um he wouldn't have actually fought his way to where he is so they would have just been able to look and say oh he's a coward you know if he uh, as if the um the humans had found out that he had uh not killed the generals then it would have been oh then you're just a traitor to everybody Right. How can and both sides would look and I think rightly so at him and say, how can we trust what you're saying when you can't even be truthful about your own deeds and in, in involvement in the in ending the war? 
Like this is this is not a person anybody will listen to. So when he finds that out, when when the ambassador is confronted with the truth of the 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 butcher of of Jigal sitting in front of him, just standing there, like I was there, I did it, I will unravel you. He's gonna snap. Well, it, but, you but know he's, he's going to snap. But you've got two things going on. Not only do you have that, but you also have his desperation of if I can convince this man of what I'm doing and my intentions are good, then maybe I maybe my intentions are good. And I think he may have been well-intentioned. That is absolutely true. Oh, see, I think he is well-intentioned. He's just a Klingon. Yeah, but the problem and, and, is. And he was desperate. Desperate on so many levels that it led him to fight. Well, and, and it led him to to betray the principles in which he was projecting. Right? He was he was a false prophet, if you will. If he was, and and the problem with that is is he was looking for redemption, but his actions were irredeemable, and he. And he couldn't reconcile the two. So he thought, and I think you're right about this, correctly so, uh, you're right about this. I think he looked at, at Mbenga and went, if I can convince this man that I'm worthy, I might be able to pull this off. And what he didn't know is, is Mbenga it wasn't gonna happen. was unconvincible because what you made him do with your actions, what you made him, this man do was morally just incomprehensible to him. He hated it. He hated who he became. He hated who he was while he was doing it. He hated his actions, and he hated that this man standing across from him forced him into that situation. And when and, those and, two and, things clash, somebody's going to die. And it's not the first time we've seen this story in Star Trek because we saw it with O'Brien in uh, TNG when the Cardassian asked him, why do you hate me? And he's like, I don't hate you. I hate what I became because of you. Yeah. Because it was the first time he'd ever taken a life. And, and, that's... and, and, and I think this is a much, much more dramatic version of that. Oh, for sure. Uh, but it's a very old story. You know, a lot of soldiers will come back. Uh, my own grandfather, my father, for crying out loud. My father was in Vietnam. Both my grandfathers in World War II. They come back. And and I remember him telling me this when I was, uh, I joined Selective Service and I was going to try and, and join the military. Now, I didn't know at the time it was, um, you know, the Clintons were trying to make the military smaller. So they kind of upped the uh, ante on, on stuff and they found out I had asthma and I couldn't go. Anyway, long story, but um, I I remember him sitting me down and saying, like, look, if you're actually, we're not in an active war right now, but you never know when we will be. And, of course, you know, a couple of years after that, 9-11 happened. Uh, but um, we're not in an active war right now, but I'm telling you war changes you. It forces you to act in certain ways, and you will return home different. Sometimes not better, sometimes not worse, but you will change. It will force you to change. And he's like, ask any veteran who's actually been in a war. 
they will tell you the world looks different on the other side of it. And uh, thankfully, I've never been in a war, never served in the military. But it is when you when you when, you know when you serve and when then when you come home. Um, you don't look at things the same. I've seen it, you know, like uh, if you pay attention, everybody's seen it, you know, like they, they act differently and it's not just because they've been away for a while. Like, like shit has happened. So it's, it's a very strange thing that's, that's, that always happens to them. And sometimes with the case with like Erica or in Banga, it is a strain when they are put in this type of situation that they like they've they've accomplished normal everyday life. They can live their lives. I can I cannot think about it. I can put it behind me this much, this much only, not anymore. And well, then, yeah, but then then they put it in their face. Yeah, now you're forced to deal with the very person Dumb. you you hate everything they did. Come have dinner with them. Come have dinner with them. And Eric is like, nope. <laughs> Even Chapel's like, I'm not equipped to deal with this. This is not something I can do. Now, she may have been... And it's funny because Chapel is coping differently than Erica and Mbenga. Erica and Mbenga, you can tell, have have taken life. I don't think Chapel has. I don't think so. Non, yeah, she has a, she has a different coping mechanism than the other two do. Um, I also did really enjoy the fact that Spock had it in him to say, "I don't understand what's going on. I don't yeah. have the emotional, you know, uh, knowledge, education to understand what is going on. But I am here to do something if I can." Even if it's walk over and just start an inane conversation to change the damn subject. I, I don't know how to help you, but I can do these things. Would any of that help? Right? Like, I, I can't fix what's happening with you because I don't understand it. But but what would help? Uh, that's that's pretty solid. You know, and when Erica was about to leave, right, <laughs> when she was like, nope, can't do this, you know, and Benga stops her. And tells her or talks with her like, yeah, I'm having the same issue, but the captain asked for that. And that's the only reason that any of those three people were in the room. Pike asked them if it had been anybody else. And and I and as I said, I think this is the first time we've seen Pike ask too much of his crew. I thought it was particularly poignant that number one did what she was supposed to do. And she told him, like, you're wrong. And not only are you wrong, this is going badly. And it's too much. You're asking too much of them. It's not fair. And this this is going to be a problem. She saw it. You know, and she was right. <laughs> she was right, too. <laughs> it's a problem. Now, do you think, uh, going towards the end here, do you? how much of it do you think Christine actually saw versus the story that she is giving as her official statement? Oh, I, I think she knows exactly what happened. And she's just protecting Mbenga. Exactly. Yeah, I would, I, uh, that's kind of what I think too. She's she's like, oh, that's fifty fifty. That'd be super iffy, <laughs> right? No, and and and, the key, and here comes the other part about it is I don't think she's got any moral qualms about having lied. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Now, 
What's interesting to me is they have no security cameras in sickbay. <laughs> they can't roll the footage? What the hell? <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I don't know. Maybe it's a HIPAA thing. <laughs> like, you have you have cameras that play back all over the ship, but not in Nbenga's office? I well, find as that I said, it, it, it's, it's HIPAA. It's, it's medical privacy. All right, I, I will let that go, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Look, it's the only thing I can come up with. <laughs> though, though I did like the allegory of trying to fix the um, uh, the medical bed. Yeah, you know, some and, and the idea broken. at the end, some things are just can't be fixed. Yeah, it's it's broken. You can patch it for a while, and it'll it'll fly right for a bit. But it's not right, and it's never going to be right. And then it's. <laughs> It breaks again. Uh, I I I think that's true. You know, some things are just broken, and and they're they're okay. It's okay that they're broken, and you can try and fix them, and it may work for a little while, but it's never going to be right. And I th- I think that's a a strong kind of uh, thing that you see from a lot of of veterans, right? Like, oh no, they're okay. Mostly, but they're not right. They're not perfect. They're not the way they were before. They break sometimes, and it's a thing. And this, this did in a in a single episode. It it really gave you a lot about who and what those three in particular. Um, well, Ortega's, you know, Chapel, and, and Benga have been going through. Even, even the look on Chapel's face, the, the, uh, uh, Jess Bush did a wonderful job of it. When the head physician on Jagal looks at her, when she goes, I, I should report to the head nurse, and he looks at her and goes, oh, no, that's you. Oh, yeah. The flashbacks, man. The flashbacks <laughs> what? were great. Yeah. Oh, uh, excuse me? Yeah. Well, I put in and, you know, I had to get you. I had to pull some strings to get you here. And, uh, you know, we're missing our head nurse. So welcome to the team. <laughs> Mbenga's going to fill you in. Who's that? That's Mbenga. <laughs> he knows what's going on around here. <laughs> yeah, he does a lot. <laughs> and when she meets him, you know, like he's. He's in the middle of of triage, you know, and it, there was a there's a strong allegory to me to uh, if you remember the old show Mash, right? Right. Well, yes. when it would you'd hear the choppers, and then the the you know the guy come over the loudspeaker, you know, wounded incoming, you know, and everybody just be like, oh, got it. They dropped whatever. It didn't matter how they were bickering or what they were doing or whatever it was. They immediately started going into triage, right? And so these shuttles come by, they beam people down to the pad, and and these people are a wreck. And you're having to do immediate triage, you know. And and they start and, and off, even dealing and even dealing with not always having the supplies that they need. Yeah, well, and he tells her straight off, like we don't have an organ regrower, so if they have organ damage, they're screwed. They're yeah. going to die. That's just what's going to happen. And, and you know, she's dealing in the first five minutes she's there with the realities of what frontline triage is like. And and this is not like she's equipped to handle it. And she's a big girl and she can she can deal with all that. But this is not what she thought it was going to be like. You know, I mean, there's explosions going off in visible range. 
right? Like big ones. Uh, there's, you know, dozens of people at a time coming down. You know, like I loved how they were like incoming transfer, you know, incoming transport, incoming transport, incoming transport, incoming transport. Like, like it, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Right. Like, like when they're having these pushes and when they're having these advances and stuff like it doesn't. And these ships aren't landing. You know, it's, it's none of that. Like, it's too, they don't have enough time for that. They're just whizzing by, getting in transporter range, punching down the people, and then leaving again. And you got to wonder, you know, like, like is that what Erica was doing? You know, like, was, was she doing that, that close-run stuff where she was just getting shot at? Like, what what is what is happening? But you realize well, that it, it's, well, it's that not was fun. Her sta- that, that was her statement to the whole thing. You hear somebody scream, incoming, and then suddenly all your friends are dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was powerful, you know, so 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 what so the question is, was was she uh, she obviously she was her 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 shuttle was on the ground. But does that mean that the other three three or four shuttles around her were suddenly blowed up and she didn't? Or had she gotten out and suddenly whether it's the, the the Federation version of a mortar or something of that nature hits near her and she's the only one left standing and you. And you hear her, and it stayed with her, right? When when they gave the order, you know, Klingons only, or you know, whatever it is, she knew the command because she heard it, right? Well, she heard it. It, it was it wasn't even Klingons; it was fighting Klingons only. They yeah. were wiping out even their own people who were yeah. getting in the way. It didn't it didn't matter, right? And she heard it. She knew what it meant, and and it follows her, right? Because she's like, look, that's. That's where it got bad. That's where it got worse. And and you gave that order. That was you. I know it was you. You did this. And I'm not going to sit here at a table with you and pretend that didn't happen. Because I was there. It did. And, you know, at a certain point, she's kind of right. You know, like it's it's and again, back to your original point. He did ask too much. She shouldn't have been at that table. He should well, have. Well, quite frankly, asked. the 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 dinner with the guy should have been a private dinner. Yeah. You know, it, uh, it, can I have a tour of the ship? I don't think that's appropriate. Right. You know, now's not a good time. Something of that nature. Right. That's the way that should have gone. We're, you know, for your safety and ours and for your comfort and ours, here's what we're going to do. We know we gave you a really big stateroom. Enjoy it. Yeah, look, you got all the stuff. We're gonna have Ahura come by and talk Klingon with you. You know, we're gonna have you know certain people because there's people on that ship that weren't directly involved in it. Like Ahura well, didn't they, have much problem. Well, because Ahura was too young for it, right? So Ahura was what pro- might, probably wasn't even in the academy at the yeah, time. She was probably in grade school. So this is this is or high school. Um, this is like surround him with people who don't have that issue or can deal with it. Una was, was seemed to be okay. Uhura seemed to be okay. Spock was fine. Like there are people that you can meet on this ship. If you want to have a dinner with, with friendly Federation faces, we can do that, but you need to stay the hell away from some of these people. They are not happy to see you. (laughs) And, And once again, we ran into what is probably Pike's giant blind spot. Yeah. I, I think so, and it's the first. That's the first time, and they did it quite. I mean, they kind of whizzed by it, but they did it quite elegantly with a, 
Um, he's like, you know, and they did it with Una. Like, you are not getting this. <laughs> this is not going to play out well. You need to fix this. I have a plan to cut some time off this so that we, we can get it out of here. But we got to we gotta go because this is not fun. And as it turns out, she was 100% correct. <laughs> what are the odds? 100%. 100 percent there's gonna be <laughs> one out Never of one of the odds yeah exactly uh so i i thought it was a really well done episode i i really do look forward to what they're gonna do for the final two episodes um i'm sad that we're only getting 10 uh right now we're as far as i'm concerned were five, two, and one, right? Five, excellent. Some of the best Trek I've seen, right? Five of those qualify for that for me. We've got two, The Broken Circle, and Amongst the Lotus Eaters that I figure are solid episodes. I'll go back and watch them again. They're all, they're all fine. They're okay. I don't mind them. Uh, the one I really didn't care for was was episode two, the, uh, the Una Lawyer episode. And it just... I don't know. I, I, the, just the, me. The, load, the Lotus Eaters one is the only one that made me that just didn't kind of resonate with me as far as being, you know, ooh, this was a fun episode. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I thought it was solid, but it wasn't like anything special. Uh, Broken Circle was good. Uh, reason, like, kind of like that same thing. It was it was solid. I didn't mind that at all. There was some I mean, really I, cool I, stuff. I really enjoyed Spock stealing the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> With Carol Kane. <laughs> if oh. you're going to steal the Enterprise, this is how you should do it. <laughs> oh, I'm not suggesting it. I'm flat out saying it. You are going to steal this ship. My question is why? <laughs> you, know, you must have a good reason. Like, that was more interesting to her. Like, what reason can you have that you're will you, us Vulcan, are willing to do well, this? Well, what is, I mean, because at the same time, what's going to happen to her? What's the worst they can do? Fire her? Right. You know, she's already admitted that her her teaching at the academy is boring her to death. Yeah, exactly. God forbid. Oh, oh, you're going to fire me. Have a good day. Yeah. By the way, I've been around for ages. I have antiques that are priceless. I know how to live on my own, and I was around when your 20 great-grandfathers hadn't been born yet. What are you going to do? When you, I, was, I was around before a horse and buggy. Yeah. <laughs> there was no federation. Okay. We hadn't even discovered powered flight yet, and I was around. So um, not really worried about it. I don't really care. This is way more interesting. <laughs> You know, so I I like that one. Uh, courtroom episodes never really did it for me. Nuts. Uh, see, I I like the courtroom episodes because that's sometimes when Trek gets philosophical. I didn't really like the courtroom episode that they did where Riker was accused of murdering the guy because supposedly he was sleeping with the guy's wife. Mm. That was kind of like, yeah, we both know this is bullshit. Um, I really enjoyed the courtroom episode of uh, does does data have um, uh, right to self-determination? I would honestly say that's one of the only courtroom episodes I like in in Star Trek um, is is data is like, you know, am I alive? 
I re- I really enjoyed the. Uh, are we going to judge Una for what her family did? Eh, because I knew the answer was no. Yeah, <laughs> but but at the same time, I, I enjoyed it. that. That was kind of a how are we going to get there? And the fact that she actually managed to do it by using Starfleet regulations was pretty stinking cool. I love it. I love it when attorneys manage to throw the book at you. You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Futurama reference for those of you too yes. young to know what that is. But uh, I this this was just really well done. I thought that the last four episodes in particular have been some of the best Trek we have had in a very long time. Uh, that and uh, add the tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow on it, and you have some. You have five. At least half of this season has been abs per episode has been absolutely spectacular, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it is it is some of the finest Trek I think I've seen in a while. Hopefully we'll get some soon after this season, but we've got a writer's well, strike well, on right now. Lower Decks comes back in um, September. Yeah, that was all written before the writer's strike, though. So we're yep, not going to get... And, and acted out. <laughs> yeah. So we're not going to get a lot right now. <laughs> like, this isn't going to come as fast as it did last time, because this is... I don't think they're going to resolve this problem very shortly. Uh, because it will, it really will affect or uh, take Hollywood admitting that these people are valuable to them, and I don't think they want to set that precedent. Well, we're about to have a nice conversation on things that Hollywood can't seem to figure out. So yes, we are. So tune in to uh, Gentleman Soapbox for that conversation. Uh, do you have anything else particular to say about Under the Cloak of War, sir? I do not. Right on. Then uh, we are sorry Captain Bubbles couldn't have joined us today. Uh, she is kind of taking care of children and and uh, doing responsibilities, so uh, we thought we'd knock this out for you guys. <laughs> responsibilities really, really put a cramp in your lifestyle, won't they? Oh, man. You know, add that to having to make the mortgage and paying off stuff and, and <laughs> children, and it's it's like you're busy, you know? Sucks. <laughs> But uh, we will uh, we will take care of all that, and we will see you guys next time for episode nine. This has been an episode of the Strange New Worlds Fancast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, you can find us at strangenewworlds.podbean.com for more podcasts on Strange New Worlds. If you'd like to contact us, you can hit us up via email at strangenewworldsfancast at gmail.com or on Twitter at trek underscore worlds. We are a part of the Lone Wolf Podcast Network. And to hear more of this cast and other casts like it, you can check us out at lonewolfpodcasts.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.